Welcome, everybody, to the Locked on Lakers podcast. I'm Anthony Irwin. I'm joined by Matt Moore of the Action Network. Matt, how uh, I, I'm, I'm curious about this because you can be at times contrarian. How did you feel about the uh, the All-Star game and, and All-Star weekend and all of that? Um, so I was in Chicago for through Saturday. I go home on Sundays because historically the game has been garbage. There's yeah. no media availability. There's nothing to do there. So I'm like, I'm out. I'm going to go home. I'm going to get home early and help out with the kids. I'll watch the game from home. This is the first year I've actually been like, man, I wish I was there because it was so exciting. The Elam ending worked great. Um, thought it was just an excellent weekend. Chicago uh, is a great place to host it. There's ample transportation. There's arenas available. There's the places to go. There's like great food, food and hotels. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it worked out really well being there. Uh, I thought the all-star game itself was, I mean, look, the three first three quarters were, the usual, but the fourth quarter was great. And that's really all you're kind of looking for is like close game. Everyone tries at the end and that's the best that you're ever going to get. Um, I still kind of question like the need for it <laughs> just to be in like, uh, like we'll continue doing it cause we've always done it, but I just don't know what like, you know, like the fourth quarter was great, but then why are we doing the other three quarters? Like, why don't we just do it? Do <laughs> like, I'm serious. Like, let's just do first to 50. Like, let's just do first to 50 and be done with, with it. Well, I'm most excited about like 15 or something like that. Yeah. So, like, I think, like, uh, the like Elam ending. I, yeah. Like, the Elam ending, uh, I think, is going to actually get used quite a bit. I think the NBA has found something there that they can use. Like, I was on the on um, a podcast for, for my site, the Action Network, on the favorites, and we were talking about it and what, what it could mean for the future. And one of the things I suggested was let's make the end season tournament. Elam all Elam. I like it. Let's, I like, like it. Let's, let's just get rid of the clock entirely and let's go to a target score. Let's have shorter games because the teams are like, well, we don't want to exhaust ourselves in this three day tournament for nothing. Okay. Well, let's go to a shorter, to shorter games. Yeah. You're, you're going to play first to 50 or first to 24, like even first to 24. Imagine watching like you won't, <laughs> you only got to get to 24 it's a straight up. Like, sprint. That's all you get to do. <laughs> Like, and we're going to do it in Vegas and everyone's going to bet on it and everyone's going to have a great time. How do they bet and the winners? Gonna get sort of like playoff reward. Like it'd be perfect. It'd be great. So overall, uh, I like the Elam ending. No, nothing contrarian for me there. All right. I guess this is where I get to, uh, the more I thought about it, I loved it. I loved it in the moment. My one, I'm not going to say concern because I think concern is too strong a word here, but my one kind of annoyance with it. I don't want players taking charges in all-star games. Just flat out. I'm 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 one zillion percent against charges in all-star games. Uh, so if you could find a way to get rid of the charges and make it so that they take it seriously enough to not get to that point, then I'm all the way in. But but Lowry taking those charges and getting celebrated for taking charges, no. Get that out of my get at get that out of basketball, period, especially in an all-star game, an exhibition game that nobody cares about. That that doesn't actually mean anything. Yeah, I mean, you're not going to be able to be able to, though, because otherwise guys can just like if ultimately if you get rid of charges, Giannis is going to win final all-star MVP every year. Like <laughs> Giannis is going to score 70 and he's going to win MVP every year if you get rid of the charge. Yeah. Like that's just what's going to happen. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, it's not so. I mean, the rule itself, I'm, I'm not really thrilled with. the. I don't, I don't really like charging as a rule, like especially on non shot attempts, like get rid of the charge there. But uh, and and also like at the rim, also you know sliding under a player who's already taken off, that's really really dangerous. But 
but yeah, like in an all-star game, I guess it's like it was cool that they cared enough and, and Kyle Lowry cared enough to take charges. But I don't know if that's actually like imagine if he takes a charge on like Joel Embiid. I know they were teammates, but just roll with me here. If he takes a charge on Joel Embiid and then just and takes out Joel Embiid for the entirety of the regular season and the rest of the season, like that's not great, man. <laughs> that would really freak me out. As somebody who but watches like, Anthony Davis fall a lot, that freaked me out. I don't I don't want that well, in my This is part of my thing though, is like I keep waiting for something like that to happen. Where we're gonna we're gonna ha- like that could happen on a number of plays, and so that's the thing is like, do we like we don't like the game because it's garbage because they don't try, yeah. So we're gonna put stuff into to where they're gonna try, and of but to if try, they try, like, oh, they're the risk of injury. <laughs> yeah, no, like I, I I agree. I I I I will uh, completely cop to the hypocrisy that I'm that I'm spewing right now. But having seen it already, that makes me a little nervous. Yeah, like I just I think there's a lot of ways they can get hurt, and this is kind of the problem. It's just like, um. I don't. I'm not saying like All Star Saturday Night should be the apex. They gotta find. I don't know what it is. I really don't because it's not like a three on three tournament. It would be better. They gotta find something. I think they don't have to. They won't. They'll always be an All Star game, but they should find something to kind of replace it. That's like an honor. That's just like has those guys there. Because I think the other thing that about it for me is I've covered so many of them now. Um, they don't want. They okay. They want to be there. Yeah, because they want celebration. It's cool to be at All Star Weekend. The parties are great. Mm-hmm. Everyone's there. You get to see your friends. You get to hang out with other All Stars, which tamper. they all really like. Yeah, um, but like they don't want the they don't want to do media. That's fine. They never want to do media. Don't blame them. Who wants to answer a bunch of stupid questions, especially in that format, especially when there's so many dumb questions on media day, which is like understandable because it's the one time the international folks get to ask a question. I get it. Um, I don't mind them being recalcitrant and and, diff- and difficult. Then they also like, don't really want to play. Like yeah. they would rather just come and hang out for a weekend. Yeah. And part of my thing is I'm like, why are we making them <laughs> like like the all-star is the honor. They've been honored. Like, let's find something else for them to do and be done with it. Like, it's just a fun weekend for the fans. The coolest thing I saw in Chicago, actually, um, Saturday night was was great. It was killer. Watching Zion bend the rim was one of was the only rising stars memory I have that is valuable. <laughs> um, but at Navy Pier, they had this thing called NBA crossover. And usually it's like NBA Jam. And what it used to be was like basically like an arcade with like a bunch of like goofy exhibitions where you could come and do and like shoot or do whatever and then like sell a bunch of gear and the mascots are all there. They changed it this year and what it was it was NBA crossover and it was a it was the crossover was between art, culture, and basketball. Hmm. And so you had like actual art installations. Um, there was one that was basically like a video art installation that was actually designed by James Harden like called like uh, the walkthrough, I think is what it is. And it's about guys like it's like a set over music with sound effects and um, like high HD video of guys walking into the arena and they're different. Uh, sorry to borrow a term from the kiddos fits, right? <laughs> like it's a celebration of, of fashion and video. Yeah. And then they have one called elevation, which was like slow motion footage of dunks with basically the sound of like, an airplane landing always. And so it was like this super loud or like taking off. Like it was like this super loud uh, area. And with all these, like this, it was grainy, but it was also on these huge walls. And it was all these dunks from like the nineties and eighties all the way through the dunk contest last year. Like it was super cool. And then they had, um, 
an art installation that was uh, a bunch of, of bulls, of painted, like, plastic bulls heads in the model of the bulls logo, but they were painted by local Chicago graffiti artists. Oh, cool. Yeah, so they yeah. had like a like that was the coolest thing I saw. It was like when you get into the All Star Weekend, and it's actually a celebration of basketball culture. That's like the coolest part to me. That's like the only real reason to go to All Star Weekend if you are like me and are not invited to any of the cool parties. <laughs> I'm I'm just a little disappointed that uh, Harden's thing was called the walkthrough and not the rip through. Like I'm just sure I'm, sure. I'm a little bummed sure. that, that that isn't what he called it. But uh, we are actually here to talk about the Lakers, and we went through an entire segment talking about All Star Weekend, which I'm perfectly fine with. It's the Thursday before uh, the Lakers play Friday night, so we're going to take a quick second when we come back. Uh, we're going to talk about how betting on the Lakers has gone this year, and how that might can what trends might continue moving forward this season, and then just in general how Matt feels about the Lakers as they progress through the final thirty games of the regular season and into the postseason. All right, so Matt is of the Action Network. He is one of the smartest. I, I, their entire network is incredible. If you're if you're into gambling and and the information behind gambling that goes into gambling, the entire network that that Matt works with is is really really good. Matt's one of the smartest people uh, in NBA circles that I that I really know from. So I'm going to bring him on and talk to him about how the betting has gone so far with the Lakers, and then how he thinks it's going to continue to go. So let's start with, you know, when we when we last had a conversation about betting on the Lakers this year, we basically said the smartest way to bet them would be to probably fade them. Uh, has that kind of carried out over the course of the year? So Lakers fans will love this. They're so good, it's not profitable to fade them even with the bump. That's Holy how good crap. they are. Uh, yeah, they're 28 and 24 overall um, this season uh, in uh, against the spread. That's where they've been. Uh, that's where they will probably continue to be. There are certain circumstances in which you can find that they're a little bit uh, a, a little bit off. But the biggest thing is like this has been one I have taken them as an, they're six and one as an underdog. Uh, I have taken them every single time as an underdog this season. I have profited pretty well off of them being, and, and like I've started bumping it up in terms of, of how much I'm betting on them um, each time. Like they should not be dogs and under any circumstances. And if they're big dogs, it's crazy. The other thing is like, look, they're six and one against the spread. They're also plus 14 versus the number in those situations. So like whatever the, wow. av- what the average number is and how much they've won by they're plus 14. The next best team in that category uh, is plus 7.9. So like they absolutely just dominate in those games in which they're underdogs, which is why they very rarely are underdogs. Um, it's been, there hasn't, what's been weird is I was taking unders all through the first part of the season. Cause their defense was dominant. Their defense has slipped a little bit as the offense has gotten better. And we've seen that reflected in the net ratings. Mm-hmm. And so those numbers have really evened out a lot. Like the over unders for them have kind of slid back to uh, like largely even um, against the top teams this season. They're 10 and 10 versus if you have a winning percentage of 60% or better, they're 10 and 10 against the spread. So like, no real like uh, advantage there, depending on like who the opponent is. Um, one thing I have noticed that was was just really great. 
when they're facing a team with a defensive efficiency of below 103, so the very cream of the crop, they're four and one against the spread. You cannot beat them with defense. That is not a thing that you mm. can do because their defense is so good. They're going to outlast you. And like, that's been like a real key part of, of what they've done. And on the other side of it, teams that are, uh, have an offensive efficiency of 108 or more. So all of the high end, high efficiency teams, uh, the Lakers are 16 and 11 for 59% against the spread versus those teams as well. That's really great. Like they've mm-hmm. been really good versus the good de- defensive teams. And they've been really good versus the really good offensive teams. And the only areas where they, you know, you can say that they struggle, um, is when honestly they're up against a team that has balance. Like those are the, the, key, the kind of teams that can give them problems. Makes sense. Um, I am tracking, go ahead. No, 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 I was just saying it, it kind of makes sense that that uh, the unbalanced teams they could kind of take care of because they recognize pretty early on how to beat those teams, and then like that's that that trend has tracked throughout the entire year. Yeah, um, the one thing I have kind of looked at, and I don't have the numbers in front of me, um, I've been sp- selectively targeting to fade them versus high volume three point teams mm. that can defend at all. Like if the team is just going to let you let the Lakers run up and down the court and dunk on them constantly, then no. But if they're a high volume, like there's a reason why I like the Rockets moves specifically through a Lakers lens and then was talking about how they got worse versus the other teams. But like that move was specifically built to get them to match up better with the Lakers. If the Lakers lose in the playoffs, it's going to be versus these teams that shoot a lot of threes. Whenever I see them as a large favorite versus a team that shoots a lot of threes uh, and makes a decent amount, I tend to want to go ahead and grab the points. Um, and it's not like a, again, I don't have the numbers in front of me. It's like slightly profitable, but not like hugely. Cause if you hit a dry spell, then you're doomed because you're not going to be able, most of those teams can't stop them. But that's one of the reasons why the Clippers have done well against them, right? Two and O two and O yeah. against the spread. Um, is specifically because like, yeah, I like the Clippers can guard them and they can hit a lot of threes. And like, that's going to be the problem that the Lakers are going to face. Like the biggest challenge to the Lakers, um, is honestly like, um, uh, the biggest challenge of the Lakers is just going to be the math problem. Uh, yeah. They're going to make a lot of twos like versus the Rockets. They shot 50% from the field, but Houston made 10 more threes. Mm-hmm. And that I think is going to be the problem for them going forward. Yeah. I, I'm personally, I'm, I'm really hoping. And actually I just talked about this on yesterday's show with Aaron, uh, that, I'm I'm really hoping that you know the Clippers wind up at like the three spot, and somehow some way the the Rockets wind up at the six spot. So that means the Lakers would only have to play one of those two teams. Those are the two teams. After seeing the Rockets and and thinking about the theory that they're using, uh, they they make me a lot more nervous than they did at the beginning of the year. Like I, Adam Adam Mattis, who I do locked on NBA with, and you do locked on Nuggets with, and then obviously cover the Nuggets with too. Uh, he put it really well when he said that the the Rockets' move was to open things up for Westbrook. It wasn't so much a Harden move; it was a it was a move to try to get Westbrook loose. And we saw that in in the game that the Lakers played against the Rockets right after the trade deadline was Westbrook was able to get whatever he wanted. Now I think he hit some shots uh, at a rate that he won't normally hit them. Like that made me more nervous, or, or or that kind of stuck out to me more than the the number of threes that Houston hit was that Westbrook was just on fire from the mid range. So I don't know if that's really uh, replicable, but but you know it, it is a fascinating kind of approach that Houston is taking to this. I just, as a Laker fan, you kind of have to hope that they 
Houston gets bitten by one of the other teams that they aren't as well situated against before they get to the Lakers. Yeah, and that's definitely possible. Um, we can talk about like where they sit in the playoff picture because I did a whole breakdown of them on Monday. Yeah, um, in the final number. segment, but the Lakers, yeah, the Lakers um, are like like a game away from being single digits in. This is wild. Yeah, yeah, they're <laughs> they're coasting. Um, one more note for them: yeah. uh, Vogel in his career, uh, when he's on the road versus an offensive efficiency above one ten, this is all via Sports Insights, which you can get on the Action Network, um, our Bet Lab system. Uh, when Vogel's on the road versus an offensive efficiency above one ten, so like a high octane offense, the under is twenty one fourteen and one in his career for sixty percent, and five and two this year. So I've been tailing that as well. Like if the Lakers are on the road versus a really strong offense. I'm basically taking the under because they have the defensive capability to really grind things down and take away. Like one of the things I I really appreciate about the Lakers this year is they can take away what the other team does best Mm -hmm. unless it's shooting threes, Like they can take away what that team does best really well. And that's a real strength of theirs. So how do you think this goes for the rest of the year then? Like if you were, if you were advising somebody how to bet on the Lakers, do you think the trends that we've seen the first 50 some odd games to this point uh, will continue forward or, like personally, I think, I, I think LeBron especially is going to kind of ease off on the gas and try to get the Lakers to coast into the uh, number one spot in the West as best that they can. So um, we can go ahead and get into it if you want. They're going to get the one seed. Yeah. Um, I I track playoff picture religiously now. Like. I'm sure the Lakers fans are like, of course we're going to get the one seed. We're the Lakers and we're awesome. But like, okay, if you want an un- an actual impartial observer, no one's catching you. Mm-hmm. Um, if you just look at this mathematically, the Lakers are up um, five games in the loss column with 29 games remaining and have only lost 12 all season. So you'd have to be talking about them losing you know, five out of 12, like, uh, you know, they'd have to lose nearly half of the games they've already lost in the final 29 games. Mm-hmm. And the nuggets would have to go undefeated throughout that stretch. That's not going to happen. Right. Mm-hmm. So like the Lakers are going to secure the one seed. They are going to get the one that's already done. Um, two through five are all fluid. The Clippers could wind up in the four seed, which I know the Lakers would not be crazy about. Nope. Um, the Clippers could wind up. They're likely going to finish probably two or three, which the which the Rockets are probably or the Lakers are probably fine with. Like, okay, we got to face them in the Western Conference Finals. That's okay. Um, the, your probably ideal is honestly where it stands now, because all right, you don't want to face Houston, but Denver matches up really well with the Clippers, and there's like a not infinitesimally small chance. Uh, that the Nuggets knock off the Clippers. And if that happens, one, you get to clown on the Clippers. Uh, and two, yeah, and two, the Lakers have an, an easy path to the finals. Um, as far as betting goes, you know, the games in which LeBron sits, I'm probably going to take the Lakers. They do really well in stepping up against a lot of those teams. LeBron is like the driving force. And there've been some absolute like face pump, like plants. I really like betting them when Davis is out because Davis to the bookmakers is worth between a point and a half to two points, depending on the matchup mm-hmm. uh, and depending on where it's located. And that's like great value. Cause the Lakers are still really good when it's just LeBron and the other guys. Um, yeah. Does Davis like, make their ceiling for the playoffs. Sure. Like I'm not going to take the, well, okay. The, let me put it this way. If Davis sat out a game on, on national TV versus a quality opponent, the Lakers are probably dogs 
mm-hmm. and I get to grab the Lakers as dogs with LeBron playing. Like that's the way that I, I tend to approach these things. Like I, I go against my guy, Justin fan, who's a, a much better, better, I should note than me uh, at action network. He tends to go against the guys when, when the teams, when guys are out, I've started going the other direction because I've seen how much the letdown effect really hurts teams. When you're like, ah, Davis is out. We could do this. Right. Like guys step up like Kyle Kuzma will have a good game. Danny Green will have a good game. Guys step up in those situations. And as long as LeBron's playing, you're pretty good. When both of those guys are out, they will be massive dogs. And Caruso will probably get me a backdoor cover. Like <laughs> anytime the Lakers are underdogs the rest of the year, I'm probably going to bet them. Like it's going to take a lot for me not to bet the Lakers as an underdog as a favorite. Um, you know, it's not even so much a number where it's like, uh, oh, if they're double digit favorites, I'm going to probably fade them. Like, that's not really where I'm at. Um, it's more a matter of it's got to be a matchup where I feel good about their ability to stretch out the game in the direction that they want. Like the Magic are a good team for me to be like, OK, they can just outpace the Magic because the Magic are going to be able to keep up with them mm-hmm. versus like the Wizards. Um, that's a team where I don't want any part of L.A. in that situation because like Bertans can hit four threes in the fourth quarter all of a sudden it's a six point game. Like I don't want any of those type of situations and the Lakers will just kind of grind out the clock. So not great free throw shooters either. So these are all kind of factors in, in what I'm looking at, but the reality is they've been a good team to bet on. You're profitable. If you bet on this year at 28 and 24, uh, they're extremely good. They are just ridiculously good versus conference opponents. Um, the number is really impressive in games versus the Western conference of the season. The Lakers are 20, 13 and one against the spread They're versus the West. They're 20, 13 and one. Now I've been tailing this kind of all year as a general ethos, which is like the West is a little overrated. Just like a, just like a, the numbers, the, the market overrates the Western conference a little bit. Yeah. And, and that's partially because they also underrate the East a little bit. So there's like, a lot of situations in which I've been betting home teams in the East pretty constantly. They're really good in those situations because everyone's like, well, all the East teams are kind of of the same value. It's like, no, that's not how it goes. Like the home teams in the East are, are going to win by considerably more versus in the West. Like, the Lakers are a step above and they've been really great versus everybody. Um, especially because like, I mean, look at the last Lakers nuggets game, right? Like it was like, like a point and a half the Lakers without uh, or the Nuggets without Paul Millsap in that game, and Paul and Mason Plumley and Michael Porter Jr. and yet it was a close line. Like, there's a little bit of an overrating of the West. That's not to say that the Lakers are decidedly that much better in terms of the title, but that's like where it is. The future stuff is basically there's no value because the Lakers are they're just. Like they are the favorites. Milwaukee is like Milwaukee's on pace for seventy or more, and the Lakers are, are on pace for sixty nine. So it's not like they're slacking, but the Bucks are on pace for seventy plus and just destroying everything. And the Bucks have longer odds than the Lakers because that's where the market is. Yeah, I mean, you and I talk about this a lot. The Lakers are a super public team, and like, if there's a fun ticket to have as a Laker fan, it's them winning the championship, right? Like if, if there's if there's is if there's just like an outright you know what fuck it I'm gonna put ten bucks down on, on in Vegas or a hundred bucks down in Vegas on the Lakers winning a championship like that's that's the fun bet to make. So we actually did one. If you want another one, we did one at points bet this week. Um, we we broke down the numbers on this. We asked them uh, for and they and they got some numbers on the runner up for MVP and mm. LeBron's a favorite but still at like plus two hundred. 
for or plus 175 for runner up to MVP. So if you basically if you bet him to win MVP or bet him to be runner up, you're probably going to cash because there's no situation I can imagine where he doesn't win or get second. I can't yeah. see anybody being out for second. So uh, that's another one. But yeah, if you're going to like if you're going to go all the whole way, if you want to bet on the Lakers, which, you know, betting on your own team always has consequences and like <laughs> emotional drawbacks. Yeah. But if you're going to go that route, then, I mean, you might as well go for the title. The Western Conference odds are too short. You, but the other one that you could do is you can take out a position that you can get finals matchups at the books. Hmm. So you can just take if you want to go that route, that's what you should do is take the Lakers and then take three teams that you think in the West can win. And you're going to get like plus 400 plus 500 plus 600 on those matchups. Mm. Like even the Bucks, I think is probably going to be like, it's probably plus 200. You're going to get better return on those. Um, it's better than plus 200. You're going to get better return on those than just the Lakers. If you're just like, I think the Lakers are winning the West. I believe the Lakers are winning the West. Okay. We'll take out those three for the finals matchup. And you're going to get better odds by nailing whichever one of those than just picking the Lakers to win the title at, at plus 225 or hmm. they're plus 250 now. That's interesting. That's that's interesting. It's it's they're 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 an interesting team. It's crazy to me, honestly. I'm 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 a little surprised that because I haven't kept as as close a track of this as as obviously you have. It surprises me that they have been uh, this good a team to bet on. It, it really does because. You're up against some tough odds there. Like, you know, they're so public and there are so many people that just want to bet on them casually uh, that that I, I didn't think it was possible for, for a Laker team to exceed expectations here. But apparently they did. Uh, so that's interesting. Let's take another quick second here. When we come back, I want to talk about, you know, we'll take all that information and then, you know, kind of... <laughs> uh, add it and divide it and whatever, multiply it however best we can to figure out, all right, what does this team look like moving forward into the playoffs just from a, from a purely uh, analysis standpoint? I'm still blown away, man. I really am. I'm, I'm. It's it's beyond me that a team. Now I think a lot of this has to do that the Lakers came out to a sprint uh, at the beginning of the year, and I think I. You know, you talked about the uh, the spread against Denver in that last game before the All Star break being one and a half. I think that had a lot to do with the with the way that the Lakers looked over the last like month because they looked so just obviously exhausted because they sprinted as hard as they did at the beginning of the year, but. But it's still wild that they were that productive from a betting standpoint as they were in the first half of the year. Yeah, and so like a good way to kind of put this is, you know, I mentioned that they were six and one as a dog, and if you're able to do the numbers right, like they're twenty two and twenty three as a favorite, so they're under five hundred. But the key is like for the Lakers with their exaggerated numbers, with how much the public is always like driving those numbers up, like just constantly moving the lines mm-hmm. for them to still be about 500 as a favorite is nuts. I, I got one more for you via bet labs Yeah, uh, in games, the season in which the Lakers are more than a nine and a half point favorite. So basically a double digit favorite, they are nine, seven and one for 56% against the spread. Like, they are above 500 covering when a double digit favorite. That's crazy. That's, 
that's really impressive. Like they are out, they, they are managing to live up to the expectations of the market. Like 22 and 23, uh, as a favorite is a, also a really good indicator to you of, um, like market has them pegged, right? Mm -hmm. Like this is one of the things I love is that talking to bookmakers, They'll set the line and then be like, okay, we're going to move, going to move it down. We're, we think we're going to move it down like a point and a half to two points, depending on who they're playing and how much action they're going to generate. So they'll track, they'll get a sense of if they're playing the Sixers, they know that a lot of Sixer money is going to come in. So mm-hmm. they'll bump it down too. If they're playing, uh, you know, the uh, the Grizzlies is a great one. The Grizzlies never get action. If they play in the Grizzlies, they're only going to bump it down probably a point, point and a half. Cause one Memphis is good against the spread and plucky and underrated. Mm-hmm. And two, um, they're only going to take Lakers money. Like they're just going to te- keep getting Lakers money. It's really, really impressive. They've also been one of the most bet teams this season. Unsurprisingly, like, like everyone just loves betting on the Lakers in Vegas. Um, I do, yeah. I haven't done this yet. Um, we have numbers at action network on, how much uh, action they're getting in Vegas versus the East Coast books that have started this year with the legalization of gambling. And I'm really curious to see um, what the differentials there are and how much the public hammers the Lakers in Vegas, which is so close to L.A., versus like in Philadelphia, in in Pennsylvania, um, in those kind of situations. Colorado, where I live, starts on um, May 1st. And so um, I think Colorado is like because of how many L.A. people there are here. Mm-hmm. Like, I think the Lakers numbers are going to be super inflated here as well. Hmm. That's interesting. So so I guess the best way to kind of segue all of that into moving forward into analysis on the actual Lakers moving forward and, and where you have them going is like what what kind of picture does that paint from like, how do you feel about the Lakers as we get ready for the playoffs and as there is a possibility that they meet both the Lakers, the Clippers and the Rockets at some point, or, or how do they match up against Milwaukee or, or the, the Celtics, right? The Celtics make me more nervous than I would like to admit because they have, you know, two players at a position that has given the Lakers problems this year at athletic big wings, right? They have Jalen Brown and they have, uh, Jason Tatum, who both give me, you know, make me a little nervous because, you know, LeBron has to guard one of those guys and either he's going to break down trying to guard them or, or you know, they're just going to take advantage, period. And so I guess given all the information that we have from a, from a betting standpoint, how are you putting that all together and computing into how, what, what kind of picture that, that paints of the Lakers moving forward for the rest of the next 30 games and more importantly into the playoffs? Uh, so as we said, the Lakers are going to get the one seed. Um, I was talking to somebody last year and he's like a long time pro professional better, mm-hmm. uh, really smart guy. And one thing he was talking to me about was he was saying he was like, in all the other sports, I fade the narrative. I take the numbers and what the matchups say. The analysis is what counts football, baseball, hockey, college basketball, college football. Like you can get the rest. He's like, I bet narrative in NBA. And I was like, really? And he said, yeah, he's like, look, the most of the time, even though the best, like there are teams that should win, they don't because the league has a narrative of certain teams winning. Mm -hmm. Like there are just like, there are just these stories. It feels like these teams are going to win. He was like, and even the warriors, when it was 2015, the warriors seemed like a team that was going to win. 
And they really redefined themselves as like a West Coast powerhouse. Um, and so I, I've thought a lot about that. And like, that's one of the things that continues to really vex me. I, I mentioned that favorites podcast I was on. My boss, Chad Millman was asking me, he's like, all right, you got one ticket. You got one title ticket for the rest of the year. Who are you taking? And I was like, I have to take the bucks. Like there's no other move. That's smart. Like the bucks are the, they're the, they're the best team. Mm-hmm. They've been the most dominant. There's no reason that they should, but I don't feel good about it because I saw what happened last year and the Bucks are the type of team that doesn't win in this league. The mm-hmm. Lakers win in this league. That's what happens. The Lakers win in this league. Are um, you saying that are you saying that from like a a narrative city standpoint or like a a type of team standpoint? I'm talking about from a, a like the Lakers history is that they okay. win. Like I don't honestly believe the Lakers have a better team. And truth be told, if the Lakers play the Bucks in the finals, I think the Bucks smash them. Like <laughs> yeah. I, I will go on record as saying that, and I'm willing to be wrong. I think the Bucks annihilate them. Mm-hmm. They shoot volume threes with quality shooters, have athletic guards. They have Play guys that can defend. They have so much depth that can defend one through eight. Like playoff short rotations get shortened. Like that's fine. They have Marvin Williams to take the minutes of Ersan Ilyasova, who's been really bad at certain points. Um, they have Giannis, who can go, who can guard LeBron. How many guys can you actually say, I feel good about putting this guy on LeBron James? Mm-hmm. Like, there's three in the league, and the Bucks have one of them. We saw they that have all rim Yeah, we have rim protection. They can run the ball. Like, all of these things. Um, but part of my concern is I'm like, but you know, what will happen is that the bucks will get upset by some, some random team who's gets one guy hot. Like Fred Van Vliet got last year, mm-hmm. like Duncan Robinson or Tyler hero or, um, Marcus smart is a good example of a guy that can get hot, even though he's a terrible shooter. Like FEV is a great shooter, but he got especially hot. Um, you know, with, uh, with the Raptors, it could be Fred Van Vliet again, or Terrence Davis, like, something's going to catch the bucks and all of a sudden the Lakers are going to be in the finals versus like if they play the Celtics, I understand your concern. They're going to smash them because over the course of a series, Tice can't handle Anthony yeah. Davis. Like that's one match where I actually like AD. I don't, I'm not as high on AD as everybody else is this year. Like he's, a, he's the tip of the spear. He finishes a lot of plays. How are we he's defining called. everybody else? Cause I've heard a lot more. Like, I think he's overrated than I have. Like, Oh my God, AD is incredible. Well, I mean, I think it's a perfect example of you, we always hear the negative because like you hear you hear like he's overrated and I hear like, should it, should Anthony Davis be an MVP candidate? I'm like, he's not the most valuable player on his team. That's absurd. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, I hear defensive player of the year talk. I've done some film work on it. I don't want to actually do a feature on it because if I do, I'm going to get <laughs> my mentions are going to be a, a trash fire for days the way it always is. Um, but there's some stuff in there that actually kind of concerns me about Davis's defense. The rest of the defense is awesome. It's systemically sound and great. And he works awesome in that capacity. He's still a huge plus defender, but he's not DPOY. But even then, like in that Celtic series, he annihilates them. So if we look at the West. Okay. Getting back to the, the Western conference. Yeah. They're going to be one. If the Clippers don't get to the Western conference finals, then I think the Lakers absolutely win the win West. If the Clippers get there, I think it's probably closer to a coin flip than what it'll be. Like everyone's going to be like, I'm taking the Clippers. They beat them twice. They haven't been able to solve this. They've got Kawhi, all of these things. I do not think the Clippers are that much better than the Lakers. I just do not. I think that they are about even. 
Um, and in those situations, look, I get the Kawhi Leonard was awesome last year. That's great. Congratulations. I'll, I will go ahead and put my money on LeBron. Like that's just where I put my money is. I'm going to put my money on LeBron. if that series comes to light, um, if the Lakers get a lie of like, if the Clippers get upset and they have to face in round two, if like, if the three teams that the Lakers face are the Grizzlies, the jazz and the nuggets, that's going to be five games in each series mm-hmm. done. The Rockets can take them to seven, but I don't think Houston will hit enough shots. I just don't think that they'll, like they'll have another dry spell over oh, twenty seven. Um, their defense is their defense isn't good enough. There are teams that concern me. Like I think there's a lot of teams that can give the 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 Lakers a run for it. Like let's say that they suffered a, again an absolutely horrific collapse here and landed at the two seed. The Thunder and Mavericks are going to push them. Like they would get they would take they would take. I, like I would put the over under on games between uh, probably one and a half and I would take the over at two. Like I might put it two and a half mm-hmm. uh, for games that they would take the Lakers, but would win though. Like the Lakers are not losing to the Mavericks or thunder. They'll get pushed by them. They're not losing to the jazz. Um, yeah. They can lose to the, to the nuggets, the Clippers and the rockets. They are like almost definitely not losing to the nuggets. The nuggets, can they won't so it's really just rockets and clippers and in that situation like i will go ahead and take lebron so i think it's going to be lakers bucks and i'm going to be forced to take the bucks and then i'm going to be mad when the lakers win and when i knew the lakers were going to win <laughs> so great stuff here from matt about the lakers and the direction that they're going in and uh all of the stuff that they have done to this point the betting stuff it paints an interesting picture of the lakers we have seen them kind of as this team that have steamrolled through the teams that they have to beat and then struggle against the the really good teams. And while that is objectively true, given their actual win-loss record, you see their record, according to the books, against the teams that they are are, are uh, seen as underdogs against, right? Those are usually good teams. So uh, interesting stuff. What we're going to do here, um, I'm going to wrap this up. This is going to be part A of a two-part conversation that I have with Matt. Uh, starting on the other end of this, he and I are going to have a conversation about the season to this point and the approach that the NBA, ESPN, and TNT has had to covering a season with NFL-esque parody. It's a fascinating conversation. And what we're going to do, I am going to release that as uh, I'm going to record, you know, given whatever news that we get, uh, a, a quick intro tomorrow. Um, and then and then I'm going to release the remainder of the conversation that Matt and I had uh, in that. It was a really good conversation. I'm telling you guys, you're not going to want to miss it. It's fascinating. It covers all any number of things about not just the coverage of the league and the league itself, but also this, this idea that small markets should always be empathized with when they lose a superstar. And, and you know, Anthony Davis comes up. So uh, have a great rest of your day. Uh, and then check out tomorrow's show with you know, with part B of this conversation between Matt and I. Have a great rest of your day. Make somebody else's. We'll talk to you tomorrow.